up again for Ever Amen. Wow, that was, that was really cool. Actually, there's a funny story. Uh, I was going to youth this uh, today. We're, going, we're driving to youth, and Ilya sent me uh, the song in the text message. He's like, yeah, check out the song. It's a good song. And um, I didn't know that, it, that you guys were Ever Amen. And I just, I, I'm like, to my brother and sister, I'm like, yeah, check out this song. I, Ilya sent me a song. It's pretty cool. So we're listening to it to this song on the way, and I had no idea it was you guys, so that was just really funny. <laughs> I was like, man, that is, that is a coincidence. <clears throat> but uh, I'm going to be preaching tonight uh, from Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 42. Um, if you've got a Bible, turn to Jeremiah 42. Put your finger there, and then turn to Jeremiah 16. All right, once you got it, say yeah. If you don't got it, say help me, Jesus. All right. Um, so Jeremiah 16, I think I should turn there too. All right, Jeremiah 16, uh, verse 10, 10 to 13. It says, when you tell these people all this, and they ask you, why has the Lord decreed such a great disaster against us? What wrong have we done? What sin have we committed against the Lord our God? Then say to them, it is because your fathers forsook me, declares the Lord. And they followed other gods and served and worshipped them. They forsook me and did not keep my law. But you have behaved more wickedly than your fathers. See how each of you is following the stubbornness of his evil heart instead of obeying me. So I will throw you out of this land into a land neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you will serve other gods day and night, and not, for I will show you no favor. Before we keep going, let's pray um, and ask God to speak to us tonight. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is, is life for us. God, it's the bread of life that feeds our spirit. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that your spirit is here with us, God, that we're alive. Lord, that your spirit is inside of us, God that you, you gave us the assurance, God, of our salvation. Lord, you gave us so much, God, and we thank you for, for your love. God, we thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace. God, and we, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. God, I pray that you would speak through me, God, and I pray that the word would fall on good ground tonight. God, I pray that you would change us, God, bring us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So uh, the title of my message today that I want to talk about is called The Sin of Rebellion. The sin of rebellion, and it's kind of a, a, a play on words because, uh, you know, rebellion is, is a little worse than, it's worse than sin. And it is a sin, but it's worse than sin. But it, I, I called it the sin of rebellion. And um, it, in verse 12, I, if they could put up the, uh, the, in the New Living Translation, this is, uh, this is what it describes rebellion as. And I like it in the New Living Translation. It says, you stubbornly follow your own evil desires and refuse to listen to me. Um, What this is, this is the definition of rebellion. Uh, The definition of rebellion is following, stubbornly following your own evil desires. Uh, That is a definition of rebellion. You know, before I used to think rebellion was some, you know, some little, you know, some little punk kid listening to headphones with his arm crossed. Uh, you know, sitting there, you tell him to stand up, he sits down. You tell him to stand up, you know, or you tell him to sit down, he stands up and just does everything the opposite. Or, or another picture is, you know, you see 
some guy that's, you know, riding a bike with a leather jacket, and, and he's just against everybody, and nobody likes him. He's just rebellious, you know. And, but rebellion, really, it's a little bit different than that. Rebellion is what it is, is following your own desires stubbornly, your own evil desires. Um, I, I heard a, a teaching by Joel Stockstill about rebellion, and rebellion is, is, uh, is deeper than sin. Uh, why? Because rebellion is the root of sin. Rebellion is, you know, there's like a weed, and unless you cut off the root, the weed will keep growing. Isn't that right? You know, when you, when you cut off the, 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 the top surface, whatever, the plant, you rip it out, it will keep growing back because the, weed is, the root is still there. And rebellion is the root of sin. It is, it's the root that keeps, uh, that keeps the sin growing in our lives. And, uh, you know, I like, I like what Leonard Ravenhill, this is a quote by him. He said, the greatest sin in the world is not idolatry. The greatest sin in the world is I can manage my life without God. I'm going to read that again. That's, that's, a good, that's a good quote. The greatest sin in the world is not idolatry. The greatest sin in the world is I can manage my life without God. God despises rebellion. Um, as we, if we look at Israel, Israel, what they did was they rebelled constantly. They rebelled against God. If we, if we, re, we read in Hebrews 3, that their sin was rebellion. That's why God could not stand them in the desert. That's why it took them 40 years to get to the promised land because of their rebellion. And until the rebellion came out, then they got into the promised land. The first person to ever show rebellion was Lucifer. Lucifer was the first one when he was, he said, I will ascend to heaven. I will set my throne above God's throne. And he was full, you say, well, that was pride. Yeah, it was pride and it was rebellion. You know, rebellion and pride, they kind of go hand in hand. They're you know, cousins or brothers, sisters, whatever you want to call it. They're, they're, wherever you find pride, you'll find rebellion. Where you find rebellion, there's pride. And so uh, Jeremiah here talks, he constantly, through this whole book, he talks about rebellion. And now we're going to go to the story uh, in Jeremiah 42. I asked you to turn there, um, and we're going to read this story. Who has read this story, this story right here? Anybody read, read this story? Okay. Who has not read this story? Jeremiah 42, yeah. What did the rest of you guys do? <laughs> I saw like a couple of hands go up. First one, a couple of hands go up. I don't know. There's, I don't think you can be in between. <laughs> All right. Um, so Jeremiah 42, starting from verse 1, we read this this week. It says, Then all the army officers, including including Johanan, son of Korea, Kerea, and Jezaniah, son of Hoshiah, and all the people from the least to the greatest approached Jeremiah the prophet and said to him, Please hear our petition and pray to the Lord your God for this entire remnant. For as you now see, though we were once many, now only a few are left. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. Jeremiah said, I heard you, replied Jeremiah. I have heard you, replied Jeremiah the prophet. I will certainly pray to the Lord your God. As you, have you, as you have requested, I will tell everything the Lord says, and I will keep nothing back from you. Then they said to Jeremiah, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us, if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends you to tell us, whether it is favorable or unfavorable. We will obey the Lord our God, to whom we are sending you, so that it will go well with us. For we will obey the Lord our God. So, big promise right there. Uh, so, for most of you who didn't read the story, I'm going to tell you guys the background of what happened. So Israel goes into captivity. Um, the king of Babylon comes. He destroys the walls, destroys everything, takes the people captive, leaves a couple people to take care of the land. 
Uh, so there's a r- tiny remnant of people left. And he leaves uh, a guy by the name of Gedaliah, who's the governor. Gedaliah. Let's everybody say Gedaliah. Gedaliah. It's like get Aliyah, but it's get Aliyah. He leaves, he leaves him in charge of the whole, the whole tiny, little, tiny remnant, what's left of Judah. And, and you know, what happens when, well, uh, another king tells this guy Ishmael, he's like, you know, go and kill this Gedaliah. And, and, you know, people warned Gedaliah, they're like, you know, somebody's coming to kill you. Well, he didn't believe him. So what happens is that guy Ishmael and 10 other guys, they come and they kill Gedaliah. And uh, so he dies. And then what happens is this guy, Je- uh, Johanan, he comes and rescues because they go and kill more people. But he rescues them, and those people run away. And so now the tiny remnant of Judah is stuck in kind of, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place because they don't know what to do now. They have two options. Either they go to Babylon, and Babylon, or they go to the king of Babylon, and they tell him, listen, the guy that you left in charge, well, you know, he's dead. And, and now they don't know what, what that king's going to do. Or they can go to Egypt. And that's their two choices. Egypt, I don't know. There was great marketing or uh, great you know, economy over there. Houses were selling. So they're like, let's move over there. And so they have two choices to make. And so they approach Jeremiah. They approach him and they say, listen. You know, they're like, okay, listen, Jerry. Won't we really want to go to this place, you know, Egypt? And, and he's like, they're like, you know, pray to God. What should we do? And so they were, they, they seemed earnest, right? They're like, yeah, we just tell us. Whatever you do, we're going to do it, right? They said in verse, was that, verse 5, May the Lord be a true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God sends you to tell us, whether it is favorable or unfavorable. We will obey the Lord our God to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us, for we will obey the Lord our God. So basically they were thinking about, uh, they were thinking about themselves. And they... So they decided, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to listen to the Lord our God. Well, did they complete, well, did they carry out their promise? Let's look at chapter 43, the next chapter, first verse. When Jeremiah finished telling the people all the words of the Lord their God, everything the Lord had sent him to tell them, Azariah, son of Hoshiah, and Johanan, son of Kiriah, and all the arrogant men said to Jeremiah, you are lying. The Lord our God has not sent you to say you must not go down to Egypt to settle there. But Baruch, son of Neriah, is inciting you to go, is inciting you against us to hand us over to the Babylonians, so they may kill us or carry us into exile, or carry us into exile to Babylon. And so they pretty much, Jeremiah tells them the right answer. He says, God says, oh, I kind of forgot to tell you guys the story. What happened? Well, to cut it short, uh, Jeremiah hears from the word, hears the uh, word from God, and God says, if they go down to Egypt, they will die. They will die by the sword, famine, or plague. Somehow, they will be struck down. But he says, but if they stay in Babylon, they will be blessed. So they have two choices. And they go, and, and he tells them, stay. They say, no, we're not going to stay. They said, that's not from God. And so here we see Egypt again, rebelling against God. And there is, uh, we're, I'm going to talk about the dangers of rebellion. There's dangers to have rebellion. You know, rebellion is in, you think it's only in the, these really bad people. Rebellion is in every single one of us to a certain extent. We all have uh, a different amounts of rebellion inside of us. And the rebellion has to, has to be uprooted. And here's the dangers of rebellion. The first one is it's going to deceive you. Rebellion will deceive you. Uh, you know, 
I don't know what these people were thinking. Uh, I don't know. Israel seemed like a, they seemed like a very smart nation, you know, very, you know, sophisticated. They know what they're doing. Uh, but I don't, un- I don't understand the logic behind what they just said. I mean, let's think about it. Jeremiah prophesied to Israel for about 40 years altogether. And I don't know how much years he prophesied up until this point, but everything he said came true. Everything he said happened. He said Babylon's going to invade. Babylon invaded. You know, uh, they got captured. They got taken into exile. That, that's what happened. That's what he said. And now he's saying, this is what you must do. And still, they say, no, that's not from God. So I, either something, something is, seems really wrong. Either they're completely ignorant or, or something is, is, uh, is deceiving them. And that's what rebellion does. Is rebellion, it deceives our minds. Rebellion deceives, uh, it, it causes us to, to, to hear something and, and it deceives it. You know, when somebody, when somebody points something out in our life, somebody says, you know, you have this in your life. You have pride or you have this and you need to change that. Rebellion says, I don't have, I don't see that. That's what rebellion does. Rebellion is, it's dangerous because, because it causes you to see something that, you know, you think you don't have it, but reality you have it. So the first danger is that it deceives you. Another thing is that sin does not look like sin anymore. And we see that with, with Israel. Um, and there's a, you know, God told Israel, you must never go down to Egypt, right? Let's, let's open it up, actually, that spot. is Deuteronomy 17, 14. If you have a Bible, Deuteronomy 17, 14. And God told Israel to never go back to Egypt. That was his command. As soon as they crossed the Red Sea, he said, don't go back to Egypt. You must never go back there. And in Deuteronomy 17, 14, he says, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, and when you have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, Let us, let us set a king over us like, a, like all the nations around us. Be sure to appoint over you the king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your own brothers. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not a brother Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire a great number of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver or gold. As we read that, does that kind of remind you guys of somebody, uh, somebody that did that? Anybody want to say his name? Solomon, there we go. You guys are smart. Solomon. I was told yesterday at, at G12, I was told at our group not to say anything bad about Solomon. Is that right? Ilya, yeah? <laughs> Ilya, he had a, Solomon had a great start, but he did lead Israel into sin. Israel's sin didn't start when it was already worshiping idols. Its sin, the, the, its, its downfall started when, uh, when Solomon led them into rebellion. That's, that's what he did. Because remember what rebellion is. Rebellion is stubbornly following your own evil desires. And so he was a great king in the beginning. He was, he was seeking God. But here it says, God said plainly, king must not have many horses from Egypt. I don't know why specifically Egypt. And I don't know why they didn't, weren't allowed to have many horses. Maybe back in the day horses were like cars or Mustangs or like Ferraris or something. You know, Solomon... Solomon wanted to have his ride. You know, he's like, man, I got to get the best import from Egypt. But he got his horses from Egypt. He had a bunch of wives, right, 300 wives, 700 concubines. He had 
a lot of gold, a lot of silver, riches king. God said don't have any of that. So what rebellion does is it causes you to see sin as not being sinful anymore. You know, when people, uh, they start, you know, they start wondering, well, is it okay to drink? Is it okay to, to drink alcohol? Is that, there's nothing in the Bible that says you're not allowed to drink it, right? There's nothing. It doesn't say you'll go to hell for it. No, it, it doesn't. It, it never says you'll go to hell. But, but what rebellion does is it causes you to see something that is bad as evil as not being evil anymore, right? It's, you say, well, how is alcohol evil? It killed more people than all the wars put together. I think that's pretty evil. I don't know about you guys. And, and so, you know, it causes you, oh, I don't really see that as being sin anymore. So when, what rebellion does is it, it, it takes, it takes what, what sin, the, the, the filthiness of sin, and it's like, well, is that really that bad? Is it really that bad to listen to secular music? Is it really that bad to do this or that? You know, and many people, they, they say, well, oh, you know, that's legalism. We're not allowed, you know, that we, can, we can do everything. It's, it doesn't say in the Bible we're not allowed to do it. And see, that's, that's the danger right there. Is that's, that's what rebellion does. Another, another danger of rebellion is everything you hear from God will be tainted. Everything that you heard. The, they heard the word of God. They, these people, uh, uh, the guy, Johannes, or what was his name? What was his name? I forgot his name. Johannan, whatever. He heard, he, heard the, uh, he heard the word of God, right? He heard, his, he heard the word from the Lord, but he tainted it. He, he heard it, but he didn't hear it. He, he heard it the way he wanted to hear it. And so that's what rebellion does, is people that have rebellion in them, it causes them to, to listen, to come to church, listen to the word of God, and not hear it as the word of God. You know, uh, it's like they... You know, somebody, somebody's talking about giving. You know, man, we should give. We got to give to this. We got to give to this missionary. And God wants us to give generously. But with rebellion, a person will hear, oh, they just want my money. You know, oh, they, they just want me to, to give up my money. That preacher just wants money. Or, you know, it could be, it could be something else. Uh, you know, somebody might be talking about holiness. We need holiness. We need, we need to walk in holiness. And, and, and that person will be hearing, oh, you know, it's, it's just legalism. Oh, I, I don't need that because that's legalism. Uh, you know, you, you could, somebody could be talking about seeking God or, or praying, and, and that person, all he'll hear is, oh, you know, I, I, there's, he'll, all he'll say is, well, we don't really need to pray. Why do we need to pray so much? And so rebellion causes you, causes everything that you hear from God, every good word, the pure word of God, you pervert it in a way. Um, another thing, of, another danger of rebellion is that it does not accept correction. Uh, it does not accept correction. When, you know, as, as a kid, as a, as a child, I don't know, was anybody spanked when they were little? Anybody spanked? Hallelujah, yes. That is so awesome. Cream and sauce right there. Man, you know, I'm so thankful for being, for being spanked, whipped, I don't know, however you want to call it. Uh, but, you know, as a kid, you learn, you learn your parents beat the rebellion out of you, right? Or at least they should. You know, it says uh, the, rod, the foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod... We'll drive it far from him. Amen. Amen. But kids don't, kids don't like that. Kids don't like that when they're little. Oh, man. They hate it. That's, that's the worst verse in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> they don't say amen to that verse. But, but you know, it's, as, as a, even as a kid, we're learned to hear the word no. Right? We're learned to hear that word and to be changed by that word. No. It's a too simple, two-letter word, no. And, and it's a very... Uh, it's a very it's a word that we need to listen to, but it's a word that we don't like to hear. 
It's a word that we really don't like to hear. And here is, oh, you know, you're sitting here, like, oh, it's fine, I can, I can accept no. But when, you, when it comes, when that situation comes up and you want to do something, right? It's like, what is rebellion? Following your own, stubbornly following your own evil desires. That situation comes up and you hear a no. And, it, and inside of you, you're like, something rises up, right? And you're like, oh, that's not it. You know, no, I don't agree with that. And that, that what rises up inside of you, that's, that's that rebellion right there. And that's why rebellion does not accept the word no. Or it accepts it and it's just it's mad. It's like, okay, I don't, I don't agree with it. You know, fine, I'll do it, but I, I don't agree with it. What, what, the, what that word no, it's very blunt, but it's, very, it's what we need to hear. And unless we learn how to listen to that, to that, unless we learn how to change under that word no, we'll never, we'll never get far in, in Christianity, in God. Because rebellion, it, it refuses to accept that word. And uh, let's open up to Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. Uh, you know, what is the opposite of rebellion? The opposite of rebellion, of rebellion is obedience. Uh, God wants us to be obedient. Open up to Jeremiah chapter 7. Chapter 7, verse 21. And we're going to read down to 26. It says, this is, what the Lord God, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Go ahead, add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices, and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your forefathers out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in the ways I command you, that it may go well with you. But they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil heart. There it is again, this this rebellion. They went backwards, not forward. From the time your forefathers left Egypt until now, day after day, again and again, I sent you my servants, the prophets. But they did not listen to me or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and did more evil than their forefathers. God was not looking for sacrifices. God was not looking for them to sacrifice his cows, sheep, goats, pigeons, whatever. He was not looking for the sacrifices. God was looking for obedience. That's, what, that's the whole point of everything that God told them. He was looking for their obedience. God is looking for the most, it says in the Bible that obedience is better than sacrifice. God is longing for our obedience. That's what he wants, an obedient heart. That's what he's looking for is obedience. God wants obedience. And you know what? It's, it's not that hard to obey God when you love him. You know, when it said, we, we read that in John a couple days ago. It says, if you love the Lord your God, you will obey his commands. It, you, you will do it. You know, it's not, it's not something that's, oh my goodness, this is just so hard to obey God. I don't know about being a Christian. I don't know about, you know, reading my Bible and, and praying every day. It's, just, it's too hard for me. It's just it's too hard. You know, I don't see pastor coming up on stage and be like, guys, I don't know. It's, it's, this thing is too hard. It's just Christianity, man. It's, it's weighing on me. I've been a Christian for 20-some years, and it, it's so difficult, so difficult. You know, I don't hear Dima saying, you know, man, I'm just, I'm just struggling to be a Christian. Man, it's just so hard. No, re- being a Christian, you know, maybe fighting the devil, yeah, that's hard. You know, going against what the world is doing, yeah, that's, that is hard, and there will always be roadblocks. But being a Christian, living a Christian life, obeying God, obeying his commands, that is not difficult if you love God, right? That, there's, there's no difficulty. Yeah, if you're, if you're full of rebellion and, and, and you don't obey God, 
yeah, it's, it gets a little bit hard. It will. And it's, you know, you'll, you, there's no desire to pray. There's no desire to read the Bible. Why? Because there's no love. When there is a love for God, there, there, is, there is complete obedience. There's, when you love God, it's, it becomes simple. It becomes something that, that you just do because, because you love God. And, and there's a verse in Jeremiah. Um, we don't have to turn there. You could, you could look at it if you want. It's not too far away. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Uh, and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. It says, For my people have done two evil things. Just two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. So it's two, two things. That's simple? Yeah, that's, it's that simple. What is, this is this talking about Israel's rebellion. They have abandoned God, the fountain of living water. God is the source of living water, it says, and they dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. A cistern is supposed to hold water. It's supposed to hold water. If it's got a crack in it, it's worthless, right? That cistern, completely worthless. It's supposed to hold water. It's supposed to stay there. And God says, my people have done two things. First of all, they abandoned me. They forgot about me. They turned away from me. They followed their own evil desires. They abandoned the living water. And they dug for themselves cracked cistern. What does that mean? They dug for, that means they, they wanted something. They wanted their, their uh, they stubbornly wanted to, you know, to fulfill the desires of their flesh. And so they, want, they looked for something else. And so they wanted to hold water in their own cistern. They did not want God's living water. They wanted their own, their own, you know, uh, their own version of it. So they dug a cistern. And a cistern, when it's cracked, holds no water. And so what happens is, you, is when, you, when you abandon God, you turn to other things. And those other things, we all know, those other things have no lasting value. There is no, there's no life in them. There's, no, there's nothing there. It's, it's emptiness, right? When, with God, you have living water. It's, it's a fountain of living water. That means it doesn't stop. It, it's, a, it's a source that does not, it does not stop the flow. The flow does not stop. God's river, it, it always runs. It always, it, it gives us everything we need. His, his source, he is the source of living water. But when we, when we turn in rebellion, we follow our own evil desires, we begin to dig cracked cisterns. And God says those are the two evil things. And right now, let's, let's open up. This is the last verse that we're looking at. Uh, James chapter 4. Go to James chapter 4. We read this a couple weeks ago. And man, you know, I don't know, I read this and it just, it just messed me up. You know, just, I was like, wow, you know, God, I, you know, so we, we, we got to read the Bible and just sometimes just be like, wow, God, I don't know. The, the, the word, it says the word is, a sh- is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, it divides, it, you know, it'll, it'll mess you up sometimes. And, and this, this, uh, this scripture right here, chapter four, starting from verse one, it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, that, but, you, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do, not, you do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. So this is talking about your, uh, your own evil desires getting in your way. And because he says you, if, you even, if you would pray, you wouldn't get it because you're asking with the wrong motives. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know what friendship with the world, that, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world 
becomes an enemy of God? Or do you think scriptures say without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That's why the scriptures say God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So, like I said earlier, that uh, pride and rebellion, they go hand in hand. They're, where there's pride, there's rebellion. But he says God gives grace to the humble. So it says, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, there's something about humility. Uh, as we had the prayer marathon a couple weeks ago, and I was praying, you know, one, one morning I was praying and I felt like God, God uh, kind of was telling me about humility. And humility always goes with prayer. Uh, they're always linked. When you find a person is, hum- is humbled, is walking in humility, they will be praying. And uh, when, when a person is rebellious, full of pride, they don't pray. And so, you know, that's a way to, to, you say, okay, how do I know how much rebellion I have inside of me? That's a good gauge right there is, what is your prayer life like? What is your personal prayer life? Where, how much time are you spending with God? How, how much time in prayer are you seeking God? Why? Because a person with rebellion does not seek God. He doesn't need God. He doesn't need, he has his own evil desires. He doesn't need anything that's from God. He seeks his own pleasures. And, uh, but when you are walking in humility, you will pray. You will see God. And, you know, in verse 8, or I'm sorry, verse 9, um, I like in the New Living, it sa- here it says, grieve, mourn, and wail. And in, in the New Living, it says, let there be tears for what you have done. Let, let there be tears. And I was thinking about that verse, let there be tears for what we have done. You know, tears, they show something. It's our compassion for God. It's our passion uh, you know, for God. It's our compassion for other people. It's our, it's our uh, you know, sorrow for, for the sin that we did in our lives. Let there be tears. You know, we need tears in our life. We need, we need more tears. You know, if, if weeks and months go by without tears in our lives, you know, that's, there, there's something wrong because when there's, when there's tears, we know that there is passion for God. We need, man, we, we need to cry more. It's, it's like, you know, you can say, I'm not, I'm not a very uh, emotional person. I'm not a very emotional person, that's for sure, you know. But, but I know that the more I cry before God, I know that the more that God is working in my life, the closer my heart is to His. And, you know, let me just, just ask you guys, when, when was the last time there was tears, really? Not, not like, you know, I've, I had a bad day and I'm just listening to some song and I'm like, man, I, I feel horrible, I'm all depressed, and you just cry and you feel better. That has nothing to do with what this is talking about. That's just, you know, worldly tears and whatever. You got, you got sad. But I'm talking about something that brings your heart closer to God. This is, it, 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 says, it says change your laughter to mourning. Change our laughter to mourning. Change our joy to gloom. Why? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. It says in the New Living, he will lift you up in honor. And it's like, why, why do we have to change our laughter to mourning? Why do we have to change our joy to gloom? It, this is talking about drawing closer to God. And, you know, I don't know, I want to I encourage you guys to really draw closer to God. And, you know, that's, we, tomorrow we're going to have an all-day prayer from 7 to 7 o'clock. Uh, we're going to be seeking God. You know, before youth, 
there's prayer, uh, pre-service prayer at 6.30. I invite everybody to come where we just seek God uh, and ask Him to move in our youth. And we need to pray more. We, need to, we really just need to, need to set aside time to pray. We need to really set aside time uh, just to seek Him in humility. We need, we need more passion. We, we, need, we need more tears. We need more compassion for, for other people. We need, you know, when, when, when do we cry for others? When do we lament for, for the state of, of, of our soul or, or for, for the sin in our life or what's going on in our heart? We, we, need, to, we need to see God and just in, in humility. You know, there, there needs to be tears in, in, in our hearts for what we did. And I know it's, it's like, what, why, why do we have to go through that? There is, there's a joy in God. There's a joy in God that, that when you are full of pride, full of rebellion, you, you don't see it. You, you don't see how awesome God is. But when you humble yourselves before God and you seek Him, you truly seek Him, God does something in, in us. And, and like God says, that He is the fountain of living water. And we need, we need His fountain of living water flowing in our hearts every day. And uh, let's just right now, let's stand up and we're just going to seek God. Let's just seek His face and and ask Him to move in our hearts. Ask Him to draw our hearts closer to Him. And just more of Him in our life. More of Him in, in our hearts. Just more of Him. Just more, more of His presence. Just seeking Him more. Just devoting ourselves to prayer. Devoting ourselves. Just weeping. Weeping for, for what we did. For the sin in our life. And if, and if you, you feel like you, you, you need a prayer, just come up here. And everybody else says, just see God right now. Let's just seek, seek the Lord, seek His, His presence, seek, His, seek Him. He's the fountain of living water, God.